0: Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. You know, Christmas is about mission. Look at this beautiful job our team did decorating yesterday. We had over 50 people here yesterday. And I'll admit it, I was here, but I didn't really help that much. So that's why it looks so good. Huh? I did bring the donuts. And that's important. Um, So, but you know, Christmas is about mission. And you may say, well, Steve, I don't really see that. Christmas is about giving gifts and eating great food and being with our relatives that we like and some that we're not so sure about. Um, it's it's about being together. It's about singing carols. It's about the fact that I have my granddaughter's runny nose today. So excuse me for a moment. <coughs> Man, I feel great, but I, I got this little two-year-old's runny nose. So I feel like a two-year-old. So that's kind of a good thing. But Christmas to us, it's about you know watching Hallmark movies. It's about... Um, you know, trying to pretend like it's cold in South Florida. How many of you lower your thermostat really low down so you can really feel like it's cold? Isn't that what it's about? Warm feelings, cold temperatures, snow, something like that. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. It is an important time to build relationships. Amen. I think I see the prodigal Keller son back here, don't I? Is that Joe? Praise God. I haven't met you yet, man. I've heard about you, but I'm glad you're in town today. Great to see you. Um, It is... It is about family, right? It is about relationships. But Jesus came to do something so much more important. You see, Jesus came on mission to deliver a gift. Jesus came on mission to deliver the greatest gift that's ever been given or received. That's why on this Sunday... We focus on missions and on giving to missions. Now, if you're not a part of our church, you don't need to feel obligated to give today, but I do want to teach you and for us to focus on God's, what God wants us to do in terms of giving because no doubt you have a church you could give to. So don't tune out, just give to your church. But for First Baptist Delray and for our, our campuses here, I want you to be focused on what is the mindset of Jesus as he came on mission. We don't think about this a lot. We kind of assume that Jesus just kind of was born in Bethlehem and that was the beginning of Jesus. And He was a baby and somehow He was God and man and He grew up and He did His ministry. But no, Jesus wasn't just randomly born. Jesus existed long before Christmas morning in Bethlehem. I think we got to remember that on Christmas. See, Jesus existed before Bethlehem. I love John chapter 1, that describing Jesus as the Word of God. It says, in the beginning was the Word, was Jesus. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Did you know that? Let me just pause. I have to just, you know, you could focus on each word in the scripture, but man, you think about creation didn't happen without Jesus. That's way before Bethlehem, right? Without him, nothing was made that was made. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I don't know how you feel about our world today. feels kind of dark, doesn't it? And we kind of feel like, man, is the darkness going to overwhelm Jesus? No, the darkness will never overwhelm Jesus and the gift that he has brought. You see, Jesus existed before Bethlehem. He came intentionally to Bethlehem with a mindset, with a focus, with a mission. And you might be wondering, well, what in the world would move someone to do such a thing? What in the world would move God to do such a thing in the form of Jesus? Well, Philippians tells us the story of the mindset of Jesus. And so we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and chapter 4, verses 15 through 20, as we consider what was Jesus thinking as he came to earth. If you know anything about Philippians, it's the the book of joy. It's the celebration as Paul is saying, man, I'm so excited about what God is doing in you. And I could tell you, if he was was looking at our church today, I think he'd be very excited about what he sees God doing in us and in you. And he says in verse 6, he says, you know, the one who began what's happening in you, the one who delivered that gift, he is faithful He is faithful to complete what he's begun until the day of Jesus Christ, until the very end. Paul says, I'm excited about what I see. I'm excited that people are being reached even through my imprisonment. Because he was reaching guards and the imperial guard at the time. And people were coming to know Jesus because Paul was imprisoned. He says, I'm excited about that. He says, don't be discouraged. And I'm excited that the gospel message, the message of Jesus is being preached. Even though some people are doing it out of a... Uh, not so great motive. You know, some people preach in order for their own benefit, or maybe they preach to make me, Paul, not look good. He says, but I don't care. I just want the gospel to be preached, and I'm glorifying God for that. And then he says, I'm so into the mission of Christ that I'm not sure whether I would rather live or die. He says, to, "Because to live is Christ; to live is the mission of Christ." Verse twenty-one, and to die is to be with Christ, because those are two things that are just so great. I could take either one, but I know it's important for me to be here and pursue the mission of Christ. And he says, "Listen, I, I want you to be aware that you may suffer. As a matter of fact, you're likely suffer." And they would have remembered that Paul suffered in their city in Philippi. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, as Paul dealt with evil, and he cast an evil spirit out of a fortune teller girl. And as a result, she was no longer able to make money for her owners, and they were mad at Paul, and so they had him beaten and thrown in jail. All the while, Paul could have told them that he was a Roman citizen, and they wouldn't have been able to do that, but he suffered willingly, and in jail that night with Silas, their bolted to the wall with stocks and chains, and they're singing praises to the Lord, even in their chains, even in their pain. And a great earthquake came, and the jailer got saved, and God freed them, and the jailer and his whole family was baptized, and this church in Philippi was born, no doubt through this jailer and also through Lydia, who he had led to the Lord a few days before that. So Paul says, you've seen me suffer, you've seen the results of that suffering, don't be afraid. It's part of the process to suffer willingly. And then he comes to chapter two, which I think is one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture. Let's look at chapter two, beginning of verse one of the book of Philippians. Paul says, in light of that, verse one, he says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, he says if there's, there's benefits from Christ, it's, he's saying there are these huge amounts of encouragement. There's this strength that comes from being saved and the Holy Spirit living within you. He calls upon their, their relationship with Jesus and the fact that the Holy Spirit's living within them. He says if any of that is any value, verse 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. It sounds like a, a father saying to their children, listen, if I've taught you anything, live this way, right? And as a father, you dads, and you know, one of your great joys in life is to see your children live the way that you showed them how to live. Because you know that's going to be best for them. And that's, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, I want you to enjoy the greatness of God. And so live as the way I've told you to live. And verse 3, he says, because of that, I want you to do not Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You know, even in the church, we can get kind of bound up in our own interests, can't we? And it's all about us, it's all about me, it's all about my preferences, and this is how I want things to work, and we can just be focused on ourselves. And Paul's saying, listen, look out for the interest of others, not just yourself. It's the second great commandment that Jesus shared in Matthew 22 when someone asked him, Master, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He said the second is like it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Which means, people we'll say, well, what does it mean, my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? He said, listen, love those around you the way that you love yourself. Want those around you to have what you have. In other words, want, be it your desire, make it your desire that they have Jesus the way you have Jesus. Want them to know people around the world, people near you, people you come in contact with. He says, listen, I want you to think of others rather than just yourself. And then he says, this is how you do it, verse five. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, I want you to have the mind of Jesus. And you may be thinking, Steve, I don't know if I can do that. I'm just a guy who stumbled in here, and I don't really know this whole Christian thing. Or maybe you feel like I'm just barely a follower of Jesus. I'm not a church person. I'm not elevated to the height of these pastors that have been up here. I'm not, I'm not Bob Rusbolt who pastored for 70 years in New York. You know, I'm just a regular person. Listen, all you have to really do is change your mind. How many of you have changed your mind about anything in the last week? You say, I don't really like that restaurant, but someone brought you food from there. You thought, thought, hey, that's pretty good. I changed my mind. I don't really like that outfit. It's in the back of my closet, but you know what? It's Christmas, so maybe I do like it okay. Or maybe you like Phil Bixby, and you figured out the dolphins are pretty good. Amen? I've been waiting, Phil. I don't know. Every time Tua throws a touchdown, I text Phil Tua. Today's the day he's going to root for them, right? They're on at four, so you've got plenty of time. Um, Paul says change your mind to the mind of Christ. It's a mind you already have in you if the Holy Spirit dwells in you. If you've received the gift of salvation, the mind is there. You just have to open the door and let that mind rule. Change your mind. Well, what does that look like? Verse 6, he describes the mind of Christ, and I think this is so enlightening to how Jesus, what Jesus was thinking. It says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, that's a very wordy, very deep theological concept, and we could talk for hours, and many books have been written about it, but what he's saying is that even though Jesus was in the form of God as opposed to the form of a human, even though he was of the same essence as God. The Greek word is morphe. It's it's that the same substance, the same place. He was God himself. He was in that form. That's who he was. Look what it says he did. He did not count equality, that position with God, as something to be grasped. King James says he didn't count equality with God, uh, something, uh, it didn't count a robbery to be equal with God. And that's a little bit not the right essence of that word. It's something to be held onto or to be held close to value for yourself. He didn't consider it something he needed to keep to benefit himself. He says, I, he let go of what was his. He let go of what was his. He wasn't forced. He wasn't even obligated. He let go of what was rightfully his. Verse 7, But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He went from being ruler to being servant, intentionally. He went from being a ruler of the universe to being a servant of those he created. He literally emptied himself of his position. And he didn't just stop there. It wasn't just to be a servant. He became a servant to the point where he died on a cross to pay the price for the gift that he wanted to deliver. You see, Jesus made a volitional decision, decide I'm going to be on mission. I'm going to let go of what I have for the sake of others. And in order for him to deliver that gift, He would have to let go. And we have to do the same thing. We have to do the same thing if we're going to join him on mission. We have to let go of what is rightfully ours. His mission was a volitional choice. And our mission is to copy Jesus in the same way. Sometimes we feel like, you know, I... I came to Christ and I came to church. Isn't that enough? Well, it's great. I'm thrilled to see you. It's awesome you're here. Um, but if I really understand what Jesus did for me, and if I really understand how close I came to missing that, it would be unthinkable that I wouldn't want others to have that same opportunity. That I wouldn't want to give up something so that someone else could be saved because I didn't earn it. It's a gift that Jesus has given. And the result in verse 9, it says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus came and earned that right that at some point, some point in history, there's going to be a time when everybody bows, and for some it's going to be too late to receive salvation, but everyone will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's an incredible, incredible experience. Jesus gave what he didn't have to give. He left what he didn't have to leave to deliver a gift to those of us who don't deserve it. That's the result of what he did. And you may say, well, all right, Steve, I know you're going to talk about this mission offering, and again, I want you to think about what is God moving you to give. What are the results of those who give? What are the results? uh, Chapter 4, verse 15, Paul talks to the Philippians about their giving and what it has meant. He says this in verse 15 to chapter 4, And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, When I left Macedonia, Philippi is in Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. And it's not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your account. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable And pleasing. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you guys have been faithful. I'm grateful. The kingdom has benefited from your giving. You have, people are now believing in Jesus because you supplied my mission. It's great. But listen, I'm not asking you for my benefit. I'm not asking you because I need money. God can supply me whenever he wants to, or I can make adjustments if he doesn't supply. He's saying, I am asking you to give because it's best for you. It's the very best thing for you to be faithful and give to the mission of Jesus Christ. He says, his primary purpose is not to receive more from them financially. His primary purpose is to encourage them to add to their account through giving and to create a fragrant aroma before the Lord. What want you to think about that. I love that picture, that when God's people give and they let go of what they have, there's a fragrant aroma that goes up before the Lord, that he experiences pleasure and that he's excited about that when God's people give sacrificially. and there's a benefit to your account. Now, don't raise your hand, but I bet a lot of us lost money the last year in the market. If you have a retirement account, you've, your retirement date just got pushed out about five years probably, which I don't think is such a bad thing, um, but it did hurt a lot of people. And you know, when we, when we invest in retirement accounts, we are trusting people that we can't even see. You say, well, I have a broker. Well, your broker is investing your money in companies that you can't see or touch, and that is a great deal of faith. But when you give and you invest in the kingdom, you are giving to a God whose spirit lives within you, and you're giving to a secure account that will never go down in value. Don't miss that reality. So for us, this year... We are collecting our Christmas offering, and our offering goes to four places, 25% each. The first is the Palm Beach Baptist Network, which is a network of over 100 churches, Anglo churches, Haitian churches, Hispanic churches, Russian churches, Egyptian churches, Romanian churches. This is a network of churches that works together to encourage and strengthen pastors, that plants new churches locally. You know, there's 1.6 million people in Palm Beach County. A hundred Baptist churches can't reach them all. So we are planting more churches every year. We participate in that process. We also help feed over 10,000 families through Feed the Hungry. Um, So this is a network of churches that is active beyond our doors, but here in Palm Beach County. We also give to the International Mission Board. You're going to hear some videos about that coming up. As missionaries around the world, over 3,500 plant churches in places where the gospel is not known, is not heard, where there is no representation of the church. The North American Mission Board, the other Southern Baptist Board, these two boards work both to plant churches. North American Mission Board plants churches in North America, Central America, and the Caribbean. And then we give to our church in Jamaica, Grace Lighthouse Baptist Church. And you've heard from Pastor Neville, you've participated in, we just got word that uh, uh Tino, the the young boy that we're going to get his legs fixed, his visa has been approved, and they'll be on their way here in a matter of weeks to have surgery they could not get in Jamaica. Last year's offering helped buy a vehicle, and we gave a million dollars to buy a vehicle in Jamaica. That's in Jamaican money. (laughs) It's about $6,000. Don't get excited. It's a lot of money, though. It's a beautiful vehicle. You'll be seeing that in the coming weeks. This is what we're all about as a church. You may say, well, Steve, you know, I got a letter and I heard that, that the church is $62,000 behind in giving. We are. But our leadership believes in the kingdom beyond our shores, beyond our walls. And our staff and our leaders were adamant about making sure that we didn't stop collecting for missions because we have needs in our own house. We'll make the adjustments. We're trusting God to meet our needs. We're trusting God to meet the mission's needs. We in no way would ever stop giving to missions because we have needs in our church. So I want to encourage you. What would God be laying on your heart to give over and above your tithe to help people know Jesus? What would he be calling on you to do? I want to encourage you, in just a moment we're going to pray, but I ask you right now to pull out your phone or your checkbook or even just a piece of paper. You say, well, I can't give today. I want you to write something down at the very least. What would God be impressing on your heart? You can give right now live. You can give at fbcdelray.com slash give, and you can. there's a pull-down menu. You can choose the Christmas missions offering. You can write a check and just put missions in the memo line, put it in the box in the back. Or you can just write down on a piece of paper what you think God is laying on your heart that you may need to discuss with your spouse later. But don't just sit there. If you're not a part of our church, I encourage you to do the same for your church. What would God be calling on you to give? It's no accident that you're here. You say, Steve, you're talking about First Baptist Delray. No, I'm talking about all believers, honestly. You can give to your church. You can send a gift to them uh, Today. See, I believe that we need to constantly be reminded that the mission is way more than just us, and we have this incredible privilege. I just love the fact that we're a part of a church that not only has multiple languages on site, but participates in missions in Palm Beach County, North America, internationally in Jamaica. I think that's amazing. You are an amazing, faithful church. So I'm going to ask the band to make their way up here. I want you to bow your heads.